Hello and welcome to the Crying Burns Calories podcast. I'm your host, Katie Saltzman, personal trainer, nutrition coach, entrepreneur, creator, and expert in teaching women how to take back control of their health, their mindset, and their happiness. Most of you know me as a nutrition coach, but this podcast and this platform is going to be so much more. This is a place where I want to be able to talk about it all. Yes, of course, health and fitness, but also relationships, social media, adulting, hormones, just life. I want this podcast to cover all the ups and downs, and I want you to know that you're not alone. Ultimately, I'm here to give you the confidence to break through what's holding you back to embrace who you fully are and show up authentically in life. Because life is messy, it's not perfect and it's not meant to be. So grab your wine, a drink, or if you're like me, that chocolate or that ice cream, because it's time to take our stories and the things we go through and make them our superpower. It's time to laugh, cry, learn, and understand that we are all in this together. So let's dive in. We are going to keep rolling on the gut health train on the Crying Birds Calories podcast because I have been asking so many questions on my stories and trying to connect with you, understanding what you really need help with. And it kept coming back to gut health, reconnecting to your body, under your state, understanding your body even more. So I wanted to bring on some specialists to be able to pour into you and get you to understand your body and reconnect your body. And I'm really excited for today's episode. I met her at an event that I spoke at this past year. She's Dr. Heather Finley, and I'm so excited to have her on. She's a gut health specialist. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, tell everybody about you and what you do, a little bit about your story. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I know it was so fun to meet you actually in real life in <laughs> October. And here we are. But I, I am a gut health specialist. Like you said, I struggled with my own digestive issues for literally 20 years of my life. And it is now my life's work and mission to help as many women as possible find relief from their digestive symptoms without having to restrict all the foods that they love. So we do that through using a functional medicine approach to digestive health, really looking at all aspects instead of just resorting to food elimination, which is often what you, you know, read if you go and Google what to do for gut health. Um, and so that's, I mean, obviously briefly about what I do, but I can dive more into my story if you'd like. Yeah. I, I, I love, I'd love to hear your story. Yeah. So I always tell people that I was born constipated and that sounds like very depressing, <laughs> but I promise it's not. Um, it's a story about overcoming, but I really, I, I don't think that I realized that I had digestive issues until I was a teenager because it was something that was just normal to me. I thought that everybody had a stomach ache after they ate, or I thought that everyone was just bloated or couldn't go to the bathroom. And a long story. If you listen to my podcast, you can hear the whole story, but I was on a trip with my parents and I was miserable and like had a meltdown at a restaurant about like how bad my stomach hurt and realized like, wow, this is not normal. There's something actually wrong with me. And I was probably 12 or 13 at the time. And really it sent me down this journey of 
learning about food and learning about digestion. And, you know, my parents did the best that they could taking me to different specialists to help me. And pretty much the recommendations I was given was drink more water or eat more fiber or like you should relax. (laughs) Yeah. And, and at the time I'm not that old, but at the time, like people didn't know about the gut microbiome. And so like fiber was this weird thing. It was like this chunky powder that people stirred into their orange juice, not even thinking about like fiber from like a food source. And so really I got nowhere, um, ended up in college studying nutrition selfishly to figure out my own issues Mm -hmm. and graduated really feeling like a fraud. I'm like, I still have digestive issues now, four years later, and they're worse than they've ever been. And how am I supposed to help other people if I can't even help myself? So that's what really inspired this journey of looking at nutrition and looking at digestion from all angles instead of what we were taught in school was just like, if you, you know, have these issues, like cut out these foods or, or take Miralax and, you know, really that got me nowhere. So, um, you know, I always say I went and got a doctorate then to go figure out my digestive issues, but no one should have to go get a doctorate to figure out their digestive issues. No, but good for you for being able to do that. That's amazing. (laughs) I totally resonate with the, you feeling like a fraud where you're like, Hey, this is your, here's the stool chart. Mine is the worst of the worst. Where is yours? Yeah. I'm like counseling these patients in the hospital at my first clinical job about like, you know, their digestive health or whatever, you know, and I'm like, I feel worse than I ever have. I I can't even, why am I giving you advice? I clearly don't know what I'm doing. But what's amazing is I think that makes us such stronger, like coaches and mentors. And I mean, I don't have the doctor in front of me, doctor for you, but it's like, because of your experience, you're able to connect and help and resonate with people so much more. Um, I, this is, wasn't a question I was going to ask you at all, but I loved hearing the part of your story where you said you were born constipated. And this is just a question that I'm very curious about. Do you feel like, like when you were a kid, you remember being like constipated and always having gut issues? Yes. Um, I feel like I've actually blocked a lot of that out of my mind. Um, but to be honest, I just don't remember a time not having those issues. Um, is, which is, is why I think I really start when you're that young. Yes. Um, it, it can. Um, and there's so many things that affect that, that your route of birth, um, your, if you were breastfed, if you were not breastfed, um, the environment you grew up, grew up in your genetics, um, you know, if you were given antibiotics as a kid and I was definitely the kid that had chronic ear infections and was on tons of antibiotics and, you know, had ear tubes and the whole shebang. And at the time, I mean, nobody knew that that was connected to, gut health, which it is, but also the antibiotics that I took really just destroyed everything. So I think it was, I started off not very great. And then because of everything else and all the antibiotics, it just continued to get worse. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Wow. That's quite a story. I mean, I love that you were able to obviously overcome it and now help women. And I was sort of telling Heather before the show Um, what I love about her and she has a podcast as well. And what I love about her podcast and her show is that it's always very tangible things. It's very doable things. And she had a podcast in particular about biohacking your gut health. And I, that really drew 
like I was really drawn to that episode because typically those aren't two words that are used together. Anything with gut health seems insanely complicated and Mm -hmm. you're on an elimination diet and you know, this for 60 days and then this for 30 days and you can kind of start to add stuff back in and you never really associate as like, how do we make this easier? If we're Mm -hmm. feeling bloated all the time, if we're feeling constipated, or maybe we have like IBS and we're constantly, maybe we're constantly going to the bathroom. How do we make it easy to figure out our, our gut health symptoms? Where do you even start with women? Yeah. And I think it's looking at it really from all angles. I always explain to our clients, your gut health is like a stool. It stands on multiple legs, you know? So if you're only relying on food to address your gut health and what happens when you travel or you go to a wedding and you can't control the food or you, you know, just a work event, whatever it is, you can't rely on one solution and you really have to build a lifestyle that supports your gut. Because if you're, if you do have IBS or you're more prone to gut issues, it's not like it's some marathon that you eventually finish. Mm -hmm. It is like a race that you run your whole life of constantly adapting and learning about yourself and learning about what works for you and what doesn't. And, you know, these gut health plans, quote unquote, that are so restrictive the reason people fail is because they're like, oh my goodness. Okay. I can do this for 30 days, but I can't wait to be done, which isn't really actually doing anything for you because it's not empowering you to actually take care of yourself. And so much about gut health is learning to take care of yourself, which sounds basic, but it's not because we don't grow up learning that, um, like the foundations, um, everyone wants the extreme. Everyone wants some like crazy detox or fad and like, yeah, you might do a detox or a fad and feel great. But then what happens when you stop, Mm -hmm. you're not actually fixing the issue. So that's a long way of answering your question, but the, to start, you have to figure out what's actually causing your symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to tell you, if you're having symptoms, regardless of what you do, it's not a food issue. It's a processing issue. So there's something going on in your gut that is preventing you from tolerating food. And so, yes, that's why you feel great when you eliminate it. But if you can fix the processing issue, maybe you have low stomach acid, or maybe you have bacterial imbalances in your gut, or maybe you can't digest carbohydrates for whatever reason. If we can understand that and we can fix that, then everything works again. And, you know, some of that also is a lifestyle component as well. If you're not Mm -hmm. sleeping, if you're not hydrating, if you're not taking care of your stress, then it doesn't matter what you do. You can take all the supplements or do all the eliminations in the world, but you're really not going to get anywhere. I always go back. Like I I relate what you're saying so much to the time in my life where I worked at lifetime fitness. We've all heard of that, like this big box gym. And I'm very much like an all or nothing person when it comes to everything in my life, but I had just started this fitness career. So I wanted to do it all there. And I was a trainer that was saying yes to everything. And I was teaching, I don't know, maybe 10 classes a week. And I was doing, you know, trying to learn the CrossFit workouts and then trying to train clients and crazy under fueling my body, you know, counting macros, wasn't sleeping, stressed out to the max. And my body, I started to just like put on weight, like very, very quickly. And I was also very up and down with food and sort of like binging to restricting. And they have these testing. You can do a food sensitivity test. At the time, I knew nothing about it. And I was like, this is it. This is going to be the game changer for me. And it came up every single food that I ate all the time that I was sensitive to from like peanuts, chocolate, coffee, pineapple, chicken, cinnamon, like you name Mm -hmm. it. I was sensitive to it. And and in my head, I was like, oh, this is why 
I'm having, I'm struggling so much right now. I was going to like this quick fix of like, I must be sensitive to these foods. Let me tell you, it did absolutely nothing for me, but create more fear around food. Yeah. And it just perpetuates the belief that you have to be perfect in order to fix your gut issues, you know? And like, I mean, I've heard that story so many times, like I did the test and it was every food that I ate every day and I felt hopeless and realized like, I'm never going to feel better because I love chocolate and I always want to eat it, you know? And so I love my coffee. How can I give that up? And gut health is not, gut health is not about being perfect or like following something to a T it's like, all right, how can we support our gut in the things that we do daily, but not being so rigid that we can't enjoy our life? Yes. Can you really quick explain to women why food sensitivity tests aren't accurate and why it will typically come up the foods that you eat most often? Yeah. I love this question. So food sensitivity tests, the way that they work is they're looking at your immune response to food. So we have an immune system, it's in our gut, and it's constantly looking at the environment for anything that would be dangerous or harmful. The problem is that it can see foods as dangerous or harmful if your gut is disrupted. So everyone's probably heard the term leaky gut. And I'm using quotes when I say leaky gut, <laughs> leaky gut is it's a buzzword. Actual, yeah. It's a buzzword. <laughs> the actual like clinical term for leaky gut is intestinal permeability. And if you have intestinal permeability because your gut health is off or you're really stressed, or maybe you've been on chronic antibiotics or medications or whatever it is, when your gut lining is broken down particles, like foods or other things from the environment can cross the barrier and your immune system is saying, Hey, what is this? We're causing a response. And so that's why when you do that test, all the foods that you normally eat come up because those are the things your immune system is being exposed to, um, that you're eating frequently. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not really accurate as far as like, you're massively sensitive to these foods. And also it doesn't, you know, I was talking with Heather about this before the show, because she also did um, a podcast on this. Your podcast is called Love Your Gut. Um, And I, she did an episode on basically like how we approach gut health can cause a lot of disordered eating. And I know that a lot of women can relate to this that are listening to this podcast, because I work with a lot of women that have the disordered eating that have tried all the diets, and then they usually end up in the gut health realm because Mm -hmm. it is a buzzword. It's all over social media. And also, you know, the tests everywhere for food sensitivities, we so badly want an answer and we want it to be a specific thing that we need to cut out or take out. It's, it's, we're blaming it on like something that we're doing wrong. And we're hoping that it's just going to, you know, it's going to be very simple to fix. And it actually is simple to fix. It's usually just the opposite things from what we're thinking. Um, But why do you think so often in the gut health world, it, it like only, um, encourages the disordered eating, right? It, it almost like mimics diet culture and restriction just in a different way. It's like a bandaid slapped on it with gut health. So it seems like it's okay. Yeah. And it's often, I see a chicken or egg scenario. So there is the, there's two sides of the coin. One is the client that has, is me, you know, has had digestive issues since 
when, you know, they were born or since they can remember and they start to believe that it must be something I'm eating. So they just start cutting out foods and cutting out foods and cutting out foods. And yet their stomach still hurts or they're still having symptoms, but they're thinking like, well, there's no way I can add those foods back in because I don't want to feel worse. Even though they don't feel any better than they did before, the cycle that we typically see is like someone cuts out foods for two weeks um, or cuts out foods, feels great for two weeks. You know, then the symptoms start coming back. They cut out more foods. And so just it just becomes this repetitive cycle. So there's that side of the coin where a lot of food fear is created due to the digestive issues. Then we have the other side of the coin where we see individuals that have struggled with an eating disorder or disordered eating that have yo-yo dieted their whole lives. And a lot of it can be caused by stress on the body from under fueling, under eating, over exercising, mineral deficiencies, you know, the gut slowing down. There are physiological effects that can happen as a result of under eating and chronic dieting because as I'm sure you've explained on many other podcasts, your body is designed to protect itself and to survive. And so the gut is a non-essential organ. If you're not getting enough calories on a daily basis, it has to decide where is the energy going? And it's not going to the gut. It's going to your brain, your heart, your lungs, which is a good thing, right? Because that keeps you alive. Um, And it's weird to think of the gut as a non-essential organ, but it's really not because you have to keep your brain (laughs) working. You have to keep your heart pumping and you have to keep breathing. So when people chronically restrict for long periods of time or just years after years and yo-yo, it does have a damaging effect on the gut because they, the gut motility slows down, which is like the movement of food and waste through your digestive tract. The longer that food and waste sits in your digestive tract, it ferments, causes gas and bacterial overgrowth. Very sorry, vivid, like visual there, but I mean, you, you don't want things sitting in there longer than they should. And so when that happens, then it becomes a really vicious cycle because that fermentation slows down gut function even more then that contributes even more to the symptoms and you're cutting out more foods. I mean, and it just can go on. Yeah. I've never actually heard that. Like the gut being a non-essential organ. I typically will say like, as far as like your sex hormones, if those start like shutting down and not functioning properly, or you lose your cycle, it's because your body doesn't need to have that to survive. And I've never thought about it as gut health either, but I think that's like a really good analogy. It was helpful for me. And also I love what you're saying because you know, we're trying to fix a something that is like more that has more to it, that's more complicated, that has all these pieces of the puzzle to it with just eliminating a food. It's like mm-hmm. trying to fix your metabolism that has all these pieces of the puzzle with eating 1200 calories. Like it's not yeah. you're working against what you're trying to do. So yeah, what you, you can do it. Yeah. What you do is you try and help women get to the root cause of what's actually going on. And I want you to dive into how you do that with women, like how you help them in a simple way, determine what's going on, or like in your words, sort of biohack their gut health. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple steps. The, the biohacking piece is really optimizing your lifestyle to support your gut. So looking at sleep, making sure you're getting adequate sleep, looking at hydration, making sure you're not only hydrating, but you're getting minerals to support your hydration, looking at your stress, 
how full is your stress bucket? My team and I actually met this morning to work on some stuff for our program. And we created this stress assessment and we added so many different things to it because the common response that we get is I'm not stressed. I don't have any stress in my life. And I'm like, really? Because you, you know, just went through a major life change. You just moved. Your job is stressful. You're under eating. You're not sleeping. You're not hydrating. You've been on antibiotics like three times this past year, you know? And so, but people think 4am to do a hit workout. Exactly. Like the list is literally like four pages long and obviously we're going to condense it, but it's people don't realize and myself included for a long time. And that was a big reason why I didn't get better is because I didn't realize that my lifestyle did not support my gut. I was the person waking up to do a hit workout at 5am. I always prided myself on saying I accomplish more before 8am than anybody does in a day. And like I could hustle like nobody's business and I still can, but I have to be aware of my limits and I have to incorporate nervous system support and making sure I'm feeling my body and not doing hit works workouts at 5am every single day and sleeping and, you know, all these things. So that's really step one is like, let's look at your lifestyle because you will see improvement even if we just do that. But often there's underlying issues that we need to address as well. So that's really step one lifestyle. Step two is, all right, when did these symptoms start? Was it after a food poisoning event? That's a really common thing that can cause digestive issues. If it wasn't, you know, something that they've struggled with for a long period of time, was it after a stressful event, like a divorce or a move or something else or both in my case? (laughs) Yeah. Or both (laughs) career change. I mean, like literally so many things we see it all the time. And then what are the patterns in your symptoms? So are they worse on the weekends? Are they better during the weekends? Like how, what does your routine look like? How is your routine affecting things? And then also looking at the patterns of like bloating, for example, which is a major concern for most of the people that we see, are you bloated when you wake up or are you bloated after you eat? Are you bloated at the end of the day? Because when can tell us a lot about why. So we're looking at patterns there and then really the icing on the cake. And I think the thing that people focus on probably more, but is helpful is testing. So we do some stool testing. It's called the GI map. And there's other stool tests that we do like biome FX sometimes, but this is actually looking at those underlying gut issues that I was talking about earlier. So what does your gut bacterial balance look like? Um, do you have enough good gut bacteria? If you've been yo-yo dieting for your whole life, or you've been restricting lots of food, I can guarantee you that your microbiome is not as robust as it should be. We have trillions of bacteria in and on our body, which is weird to think about, but you actually have more to think about. Yeah. You actually have more bacteria in and on your body than you do human cells. So you're actually more bacteria than you are human, but we want to look at those bacteria. (laughs) You're looking at me like I'm an alien. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. I love these facts. So we want to look at, do you have enough good bacteria And oftentimes the case is no, because of all the restriction. And that's what, that's where people get when they do these restrictive diets, because just to put it really simply, your, your bacteria are picky eaters. So they don't all like the same food. If you eat cauliflower every single day, which if you're bloated, that's probably not the food you're eating. But if you eat the same foods every single day, then you're going to have a smaller variety of bacteria in your gut. So the goal is diversity, 
which is not the case with most people. Mm -hmm. Um, the goal is really 30 plants a week. Um, which may sound overwhelming, but really we're talking about fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, legumes, like all plants, not just fruits and vegetables. Yeah. 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 That's right. So, you know, looking at your bacterial balance, looking at like, is there an underlying infection? How are you actually digesting your food? That's a big one. Um, that can, everything can slow down if you've been under eating for a long period of time. Um, you know, other things like parasites or worms or things that you may have contracted if you traveled abroad or something happened. Um, but all those things can then kind of be the icing on the cake to look at, okay, now that we've optimized all of the underlying lifestyle pieces, what's actually going on more on like a cellular level Mm -hmm. so we can optimize that and tie it all together. I love that you start lifestyle as a foundation because it's for some women, it can be as simple as that, or it can be way more complicated, but there's no point in trying to do all the other things. If we're not addressing the lifestyle foundations that might be causing it. And a really good point you made about stress is that like, we only look at stress as financial stress or, you know, having to get a project done for work or something for the kids, but there are so many other stressors with the way, from the way we treat ourselves, the way we talk to our body, um, you know, even like alcohol consumption, how we spend our weekends, how we spend our mornings and nights. These are things that can either add stress to our life or take stress away. And you use the analogy of a stress bucket. And I love that because there are some stressors that you can't do anything about. No. Yeah. You said something on your podcast where we think about stressing less or de-stressing as like, meditating on a beach. And for so many women, that's not a tangible thing. We see online all of these like beautiful ways to de-stress and these morning routines that look like they take four hours, which is great. I love that for them, but also that's not very realistic for most people. And I don't think we understand how simple it can be to take stress away in, in a life that we already have so much of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it could be as simple as every time you feel overwhelmed, practice taking one deep breath, you know, like it doesn't have to be, like you said, sitting in a fancy yoga outfit on the beach, which I mean, that sure would be nice, but like, let's go (laughs) realistic on your day to day. But there's some really interesting research that shows that when you have negative thoughts or negative self-talk, it actually lowers your secretory IGA, which probably means nothing to anybody, but I'll explain what that is. Please do. Secretory IGA is essentially your gut immune system. So going back to the food sensitivity conversation earlier, you need a strong and robust immune system to prevent food sensitivities. So perhaps the way that you're speaking to yourself and the thoughts that you're having could actually be part of the source of that. And until you address how you talk to yourself and what you think about yourself, then the issues could remain, you know, the food sensitivities could stay there causing the unwanted digestive symptoms that you're trying so hard to get rid of. Absolutely. Also understanding that it's causing massive stress in your life and that digestion really does start in the brain. And if that's where it's starting and it's trickling down, and then that's how we're treating every meal, everything we think about every day, every interaction, it's going to massively affect our gut health. Yeah. 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 Pretty wild. So what do you think are things that women can do like just every day to really help them, you know, not think about 
that should and shouldn't be having. Cause I know a lot of women are in this situation because of the way they've addressed gut health for so long. And because it has really been a buzzword, I think for a really long time. Um, I mean, since I've been in the industry, people have been talking about it, but what do you think if you're in a situation where you're, you fear all these foods, like you're scared to eat almonds and broccoli and this and that, where do you start with clients to help them interact better with food and add more variety? in? like you said, there should be like 30 plants a week. But if you're fear, if you're like fear of all these foods, or you've done these elimination diets, or you feel like something makes you bloated, where do you start to add all these foods in? Yeah. Great question. And I think it starts exactly where you said earlier, digestion starts in your brain. And so one thing that we do with our clients that a lot of people roll their eyes and think like, this is not going to help me, but it really does is what we call meal hygiene and meal hygiene is not about what you're eating. It's about how you're eating. And so how you're approaching your plate, are you eating and rushing through lunch because you're working at the same time? Are you eating in front of the TV, which everyone is guilty of that at some point or another. And again, this is not about perfection. It's about the averages of everything. And so as much as you can, how can you remove yourself from your desk or your couch or wherever, sit down at a table and take a couple deep breaths to get into a rest and digest state and smell your food. And I'll explain that in a second and really just focus on eating and chewing because the first step of breaking down food is chewing and really salivation um, for that matter. But if you can chew your food to applesauce consistency you're going to improve your digestive health. So many of us eat so fast that we don't chew our food well, and it's a lot harder to digest when it's not chewed. But the other piece, like the smelling and the relaxing, that actually really helps your digestive output. So earlier I mentioned like stomach acid and pancreatic enzymes and bile. You produce stomach acid, bile, and pancreatic enzymes as a result of salivation. So You've probably, everyone listening has probably had an experience where they've walked by a bakery or a restaurant and you're like, oh my goodness, that smells so good. And you start salivating. Always you know? a bakery for me. I'm right? like, I'm a sweet tooth through and through. Like, how can you not? And so yeah. you start salivating and you think I was not hungry until I, I smelled that. Well, that's, that's telling your body, Hey, food is coming. I'm salivating prepare the troops, like get the stomach acid, get the bile, get the pancreatic enzymes in production so that we can digest this food. So even if you just take a second, smell your food and start salivating, you will improve your digestive function. And of course, there's other things that you can do like digestive bitters or different supplements, but like start there. It's very easy. It's just as simple as that. Just slowing down and being more intentional. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard the analogy of the tale of two cookies. Have you heard this? Uh-uh. So the tale of two cookies is like you're sitting at a, a table with friends and one situation is like the cookies get set down and it's a very similar situation like walking to a bakery, you're smelling it, you're noticing it, you you have a cookie without even thinking about it. You're like, yeah, I'll have a cookie. That's great. But you're really intentional with the moment where you're taking a bite of the cookie and then, you know, enjoying conversation and then taking another bite here and there. And maybe you eat half the cookie and realize you don't need anymore. You forget about it even you know, and then you're, or maybe you eat the whole cookie, but you do it in a way where it's like a very enjoyable situation. And then you have where most women are, where a plate of cookies gets set down. And instead of being any intentional, it's instantly, that's going to make me gain weight. Uh -huh. I can't have that. That's a bad food. That's going to make me fat. 
And then you're like, well, I've already had a glass of wine. So I might as well just have the cookie. And you have a cookie and you bring it over and you're like, I shouldn't be eating this. I shouldn't be eating this. It's very stressful. You're not intentional. Maybe you eat it really quickly. Maybe you grab another one because you already feel like you failed. And it's just like, imagine if we have, like that's, that's happening for women day after day mm-hmm. in these situations. And it's understanding that it's not about the cookie. It's about how you're approaching the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's about, it's all about your thoughts and your mindset about it. And you're so right. Like how often is that happening where someone's thinking I shouldn't be eating this and this is going to make me fat, which only puts your body in a stressed out state. And as we mentioned earlier, any stress is a stress on the body. And if your body thinks that there's a tiger sitting next to you because the cookie is a threat, it shuts down digestion because there's no need to digest food. If you have to run away from a tiger, Mm -hmm. it's, it's sending blood flow to your muscles so you can run away as fast as possible. So we want to be in a rest and digest and relaxed state when we eat, because that will not only improve even our outlook and tolerance, but it will also improve how we digest it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, I think that's like been a huge takeaway for me and my digestion is just slowing down, understanding that I don't need to multitask everything. And sometimes it's okay to just enjoy a meal and actually enjoy it and be intentional with it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you one more question. I'm really big on like the quit and I'm not big on the quick fixes, but helping women understand why one thing isn't going to be a game changer. And when it comes to gut health, probiotics are pushed on women all the time. And there's like very general generic probiotics. Mm-hmm. And that might not even be the strain of probiotics that they need or, you know, I, obviously you're way more of an expert in this than I am, but why do you think that, um, probiotics like aren't helpful for women if they just grab a generic one? Yes. Such a loaded question. Um, and you're right. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a good one because people need to know this. Everyone's probably had an experience where they've gone to Whole Foods and they walked to the refrigerator aisle and they bought the $70 probiotic just because it was the most expensive and had the most amount of CFUs, right? And the name said Nature Life. And you're like, hey, this looks great. This has got to be amazing because it's $70. So like, it's going to fix my life, right? And it has to stay in the fridge. So this is like way more absorbable. (laughs) Yeah. But then it's like, well, it's ending up in your very acidic stomach. So hmm, anyways, that's a whole separate note, but probiotics are strain specific. So if you had a migraine, you would go to the pharmacy and you would get a migraine medication and they would tell you what medication to take what the dose was and how long to take it for, right? Mm -hmm. The same thing with probiotics. They are strain specific. So you need to know what strain you need to take, what dose and how long to take it. And so getting just this like really expensive probiotic is probably not the solution to your problems. One, because of like the sustainability and survivability of the organisms, but it might just not be the right strains for you. Mm -hmm. And so the most expensive one could actually make things worse or just not do anything probably is the the best or the the more realistic case scenario. So you really want to look for what you need the probiotic for and like if it's even worth taking a probiotic because probiotics need fuel and the fuel for probiotics is prebiotic fiber. If you're not eating tons of prebiotic fiber in your diet, 
it's probably more beneficial to focus on getting prebiotic fiber in your diet from like onions, leeks, garlic, asparagus, bananas. There's so many foods that have prebiotic fiber to help feed your good gut bacteria and give them a fuel source. And then you could trial a probiotic, but otherwise it's just going to go straight through you because it doesn't have a food source. So probiotics and prebiotics are kind of like peanut butter and jelly. Like they have to go together. You can't Um, have one without the other. No, you can't. You can't. And so, you know, there's, there's probably a whole nother conversation we could have about spore based probiotics and the difference there. But I think you were probably asking about like the live and active culture probiotics that people get, you know, from a whole foods or something. Mm -hmm. It seems like as the more I learn about gut health, because obviously it's not like my specialty or my zone of genius, it's really specific to the individual where when we're working with metabolism or hormones, and when it comes to sex hormones, whether it's, you know, your estrogen, progesterone, there's these really foundational things that we do in order to help improve hormone health. And obviously gut and hormones are connected, but if we're like specifically talking about sex hormones, we come back down to like sleep, stress, foundational work, exercise, making sure we're getting enough calories, taking stress off the body. And obviously there's those foundations for stress as well. But I feel like with gut health in particular, getting specific testing is like a fast track to like the root cause of a problem. It is. And it, it really, I mean, there's so much controversy over testing and, you know, oh, you shouldn't test. Like, I feel like dietitians are very divided on that. But the reason that I like testing as a tool, I don't like, you can't just treat the test. You have to treat, treat the individual, which is why those other two steps that I explained are really important, but it can be a really good tool because we could both have the same symptoms, but they could be caused by completely different things. And so in order to prevent me just like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks, we're going to get to the solution a lot quicker when we see, oh, well, your bloating is caused by the fact that you have no beneficial bacteria, but mine is caused by an H. pylori infection mm-hmm. or you know, I have too many bad bacteria, quote unquote, yeah. in my gut. And so in a lot of the clients we work with, you know, they've had symptoms forever. They've done all the standard like GI tests and they're so relieved when they get the test back to like, see that something's wrong, which sounds odd, but they're like, finally, I, I don't feel crazy. Have answers. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's something I've always wanted to do. And I've never had that done. I've done like full thyroid, full hormone, mineral testing, but I've never done like, cause it's like a stool sample. Yeah. It's definitely not glamorous, but <laughs> you just do it one time and then you send it. Back. I know. And you will get talk- a weird look from the FedEx guy when you drop it off and it says exempt human specimen. <laughs> you just like, don't make eye contact and leave. <laughs> Does it really say that on the package? Yes. Oh, see now that makes me, I'm, I'm the most awkward person. So this makes me want to get it less, but I also really want to get it just for, just to like, see, let's That's- do it. That's well, you can hilarious. just arrange a FedEx pickup and leave it on your porch and you know, it's fine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to make any awkward eye contact. No eye contact. That yeah. is fantastic. Well, Heather, uh, tell women one where they can find you. Um, obviously you have the love your gut podcast, but tell them a little bit about like your coaching, where they can find you, what you sort of specialize in. 
Yeah. So you can find me. I'm most active on Instagram, um, at Dr. Heather Finley. Um, it's F I N L E Y. And I am the founder of the gut together program. That is our signature program for women struggling with gut health. Um, it's a six month program. Um, and like you said, the love your gut podcast. So if you want to learn more, even about like the testing that we do, there's an episode on that. Or if you want to learn just a little bit about our approach or, really some actionable tips to help you improve your digestion. You can check it out there. Um, and I know we were talking about before, if you want to maybe explore the causes of your bloat, I just came out with a new quiz and it's what popular song describes your digestive issues. So you can find out if you're, you know, survivor or a Justin Timberlake song. It's, it's pretty entertaining. So um, are there any hip hop options? I'm from Detroit. I'm a Detroit girl. (laughs) You'll have to see, you'll have to see. Um, it's, but I was cracking myself up making this quiz. So I bet I would purposefully answer them to try and get the song I want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's drheatherfinley.co backslash quiz, and you can get to the quiz. Amazing. Well, I will have all of that in the show notes for everybody. So you can easily find her in the quiz and be able to get in her energy. But Heather, I just really, really appreciate you pouring into this community and answering all these questions and helping these women just live happier, healthier lives. Thanks so much for having me. This was fun. If you vibe with this episode, I would love to hear from you. You know at Crying Burns Calories, we are all about community and connection and just changing the conversation about life for women. So if this episode was helpful for you, I would love if you could tag me, share it on your Instagram stories so I can thank you and also so we can just continue to get the message out and growing this amazing community.